What's up, fantasy freaks? It's your boy, Christian Michael. Back at it again. Season 2, episode 1. Listen, guys, I don't do this for income or anything. Um, I do it for fun, so... The reason why I haven't posted in a while is because there ain't shit going on. And there's nothing worse than a fantasy football podcast than weekly episodes, daily episodes in March. Doesn't make any sense. So, uh, yeah, you know, I got other shit to do in my life. And I'm sure you do too. And the majority of people that will listen aren't, you know, wondering what's going on before the draft and before free agency. There is nothing to talk about. And it just makes a watered-down product. And I don't appreciate that stuff. And, uh, you know, we got the heavy hitters here. We're not trying to uh, water down the product or else you're going to water down your winning percentage. Uh, And we're not about that here. So... First off, I want to get to some things that happened in the offseason and some things in the draft. And uh, I'm not really going to deep dive into that until later, but I want to do kind of a philosophy talk. Um, So before I get into that, let's talk about the philosophy. So here's the thing. There's many different philosophies that people use um, in fantasy football, just like there's many philosophies that people use um, in normal football, any other sport, you know, chess. But I'm going to talk about what I think are the foremost and best um, strategies to win your fantasy league. So... Uh, You know, I've kind of been going through the last seasons of some of my big money leagues and just thinking about what I did when I when I won, what I did in the draft when I lost real bad. Um, I, I pride myself on always being in the mix. I don't miss the playoffs in many leagues, but um, it's there's definitely a different strategy to finish on top and um. You know, the last couple of days I've been thinking about it, and this is why I wanted to uh, talk about this in our, in our first episode on season two. And so, uh, let's get to it. So, um, one of the years that I won in uh, one of my Boise leagues, that's where we are out of, that's where I am broadcasting from, is Boise, Idaho, the Pacific Northwest. Um... One of my leagues here that is real competitive. Um, two years back, I won the belt. And um, where I really won it that year is I made my, my first two selections were almost can't miss um, picks. I was drafting at the um, in the seventh slot, I believe. And... I got two can't miss, so I went running back wide receiver. I went uh, Melvin Gordon and Michael Thomas. And this is a 12-man league um, standard. So I went I went Melvin Gordon with my first pick, which turned out pretty good, and then Michael Thomas. Well, 
That's not where I won the draft, though. I made a bunch of bad selections in rounds like four through eight. Guys that didn't pan out, guys who ended up being backups, some injuries. Um, uh, I think I drafted Big Ben, which was really bad that year. But anyway, where I did really good is um, I drafted Kareem Hunt as my second to last pick. And kind of my thinking at that time, um, Jamal Charles had just been either traded or released, but we knew that the Andy Reid offense, you know, always relies upon one stud running back um, from the days back in Philly with LaShawn McCoy to, uh, you know, whoever's manning that now. This year it may be, um, may be Damian Williams, it may be Carlos Hyde, uh, we don't know, but if you look at the past and you look at the transcript and you look at how Andy Reid's running backs have dominated, I wanted to take a chance. So I think um, one of the other league mates took Spencer Ware pretty high, and this was just minutes before he tore his PCL. We were actually at Buffalo Wild Wings um, doing the whole uh, sticker thing. So you, instead of doing a virtual draft, you're literally doing it on paper. So you got a big, nice board that they provide you of a snake draft and you go and you place your stickers on your picks it's it's much better than the virtual thing guys i would really um encourage anybody who um is just doing virtual stuff to definitely have a home league that you do an actual you know um paper draft it's so much more fun then you can take a picture of it and um this league that we um, have has a kind of a man cave area um, on one of our buddies' houses, and he keeps up all the previous years because this is a 10-year-plus league that we've been doing this. So anyway, um, where I did win that year is I took what I thought um, was, you know, was a perfect situation because it was Anthony Lynn, uh, and, and San Diego, San Diego's coach, or let's say, were they San Diego that year? Might have been their first year in L.A. Anyway, I knew Anthony Lynn coming from the uh, Bills. He always just rode his running back, both running the ball and um, a lot of play action and a lot of uh, screen stuff. And so his running backs have always done really good, so I... You know, I put all that together and I said, you know, they don't really have anybody else in in, uh, San Diego except Melvin Gordon. So, and he was right around all the mocks. He was going around anywhere from 7 to 12. No earlier, no later. And so I thought that's a good selection. Michael Thomas had had like 113 receptions a year before. So I said, you know, that's where I'm going to nail down my first two picks. Uh, RB1 and a receiver one and then... Guys, I took like James White in like the sixth round. Didn't really pan out that year. Um, I think he had like five touchdowns. But my point is, you got to take risks near the back end of the draft on guys that could possibly start. If you did that on like a Nick Chubb last year, it really paid off for you. Um, the year before, Alvin Kamara, a lot of people, you know, slept on him and thought Mark Ingram was going to dominate that role. But 
my point is you need to take a risk in the draft. My the 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 reason why I wanted to have a philosophy talk is a lot of guys they say, okay, uh, we're gonna draft consistency. You know, guys who have performed in the past, no rookies, no wild cards. Uh, we're gonna just do guys that performed in the past, and they put together a solid team. But um, you know, I like to compare it to a stock. It's it's just like buying the Apple stock. Um, you're not gonna make a ton of money off of it. Your return, your ROI is not gonna be that high if you get a known commodity. Uh, much like a drafting, just you know, just a bunch of players who have already done it and just not you're not putting any risk on the line and that's the thing is if you want to win in fantasy football you need to risk near the back end of the draft um last year um this isn't a very good example but i just want to say kind of my philosophy on how i played it last year is um um the colts were in a weird situation where they had like four running backs going for the job i think you had Marlon Mack coming off injury. You had uh, Jordan Wilkins was their rookie. Um, and then you had, I believe, uh, Big Guns. I'm trying to think of his name. Big Biceps came from Seattle. Um, the Utah State kid. Anyway, he had three guys battling for the position. And uh, guys were dra- already drafting Marlon Mack up high. And I figured, you know, he's coming off injury. Um, oh, Naheem Hines was also in the mix there, kind of as a pass catcher guy. Um, so I went and I took Jordan Wilkins as my last pick, and he ended up starting the first three games. He didn't uh, produce as much as he should have, but that was kind of my philosophy the year before with Kareem Hunt. Um, everybody said Spencer Ware, you know, Chark Hendrick West, those guys are going to be the main producers, and I just took a risk on um, Kareem Hunt, and he ended up being you know the fantasy mvp that year even though he kind of let off the gas a little bit at the end he did so good he got you into if you just put him in your lineup from week one to week seven you probably won every matchup uh i i think i went that year with melvin gordon and graham hunt and ty hilton and michael thomas that was kind of my core i had travis kelsey as my tight end oh and also, I had Tyreek Hill. So I was rolling on these high-powered offenses, which is another philosophy that I have. Um, you can go with these running backs that, you know, have, get a lot of carries, but they're not in super high-powered offenses. So they're, they might be scoring 14 to 28 points a game. But I knew that the Andy Reid offense is always, you know, back in the days with freaking Brian Westbrook and Donovan McNabb um in those days they were just putting up crazy fantasy points and that's what wins you your leagues they they don't ever really particularly play good defense which they still don't and they they've lost a lot of defense players this year as well so Kansas City I know this is a hot take but Kansas City is uh they're gonna be a high-powered offense again um as long as Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes are there. And regardless if Pat Mahomes isn't there, if they just have a decent quarterback like Alex Smith, they're going to put up huge numbers. And so my core group of guys I had uh, 
was I had Phillip Rivers as my quarterback. I had Kareem Hunt as my RB1. Melvin Gordon as my RB1. Uh, and then I had Michael Thomas as my wide receiver one and Terry Hill as another wide receiver one. Um, and I just took a chance on him because he was fast and looked good in the preseason. And then I had um, T.Y. Hilton as my wide receiver um, two. And when I say wide receiver one and two, I don't mean I put them in my one slot. I mean, at the end of the year, they performed in the top 12. And so if you can get four guys in your starting lineups that are uh, position uh, number one, if they are in the top 12 scores for the year, you will be set. Um, so um, then I had Travis Kelsey as well. So I really went heavy in on San Diego uh, or L.A. at the time and Kansas City because their offenses are just such fire, you know, firepower. Uh, so I really, my core group guys was basically all the big playmakers on Kansas City and the two biggest playmakers um, on LA Chargers except Keenan Allen. And so um, I did really well that year and I ended up winning the belt. Won the strap, baby. Um, lost it back this year, though. Didn't have a great draft this year. Um uh, Uh, I just, I don't, I traded away from the one slot guys. Like normally the guys who get the one slot, everybody's like, oh my God, it's, you know, this guy got lucky. You know, we do names out of a hat situation and I, um, I won the championship the year before and then got the one selection. So everybody, you know, was a little bit heated, but I was sitting on that fence, the Le'Veon Bell fence. And I'm glad, so glad, even though I didn't win that league that, you know, last year, that I didn't have to make that decision because, you know, you were either dealing with draft Le'Veon Bell or draft David Johnson. And if you were in that one position, you lost. You didn't do well. David Johnson had a terrible year. Le'Veon Bell didn't play all year. So um, I traded away from that I traded I traded to the 10 slot out of the one slot and I still put a good a decent draft together I ended up taking Melvin Gordon again because uh you know he's my boy and I got him in the 10 slot which was a blessing but guys what I did on the next two picks is I took two receivers and um I just find that we get we get so fancy and we think that fantasy football changes from year to year to year to year. But the core philosophy stays the same that if you draft heavy running backs, you're going to do okay. And even if you don't feel great after the draft, there's a lot of guys who they go receiver, receiver, quarterback, tight end even, and then they try to pick up risky uh running backs on the back end and it's like you don't want derrick henry as your starter as your r you know as your number one guy in the rb slot and he's putting up rb3 rb4 you know numbers so um i just think even if you don't feel that good after your draft if if you draft 
if you draft like six running backs and four of them are starters, um, even if you don't feel that good about it, you're going to have those guys that, you know, took the risk of not going running backs. You know, there's this philosophy called no RBs where, you know, you don't, and it does work in certain PPR leagues. It does work um, where you can get guys like James White or Duke Johnson, um, Darren Sproles type type of players that um, you can get them on the back end. But in normal standard leagues, you need to draft running backs because um, even if you don't feel that great about them, you will end up trading some of them for higher assets that you can compile on your roster. So um, that's just kind of my philosophy, guys. You need to take risk if you want to win the biscuits. No risk it, no biscuit. So don't be bland. Get your solid core. Get your your foundation of your team. Um, you know, kind of like I did on those first uh, first three picks, where I went Melvin Gordon, uh, Michael Thomas, and then T. Y. Hilton, and um, just put together studs. Last year, uh, you know, I listened to these other fantasy football shows and the hot take was Trey Burton. Trey Burton, oh, he's going to be in Matt Nagy's system. That he's coming from Kansas City and, you know, Matt Nagy is going to implement that tight end position to the Chicago Bears. And Trey Burton is going to be a tight end one. He's going to be a top three scorer. And guys, he was garbage. Garbage. If you listen to that advice, you know, it might have been a risk. But the thing with the risk is if if you weren't hearing these hot takes, the thing is Trey Burton is going in like he was going right after Travis Kelsey. It was going Gronk, Travis Kelsey, and some guys were taking Trey Burton before Zach Ertz. Just because of the hype around it, but he had never done it before. Guys, he was playing like fullback, tight end, quarterback at Florida. This guy has never really proved himself as a solid tight end in the NFL. And you're taking him over Zach Ertz? I would rather have Kyle Rudolph. I would have rather had Jack Doyle. I would have rather had Eric Ebron. Um, but the thing about the risk is if you're going to take a risk on a guy who's never done it before, you need to get him in the back end of the draft. And if the guy's hype is blowing his way all the way, you know, that high, it's no longer, um, you know, a risk that can reward. It's you're drafting him where he should reward you and you throw away all that positivity um, because now the risk has doubled and, you know, he didn't turn out. And if you wasted that pick where you could have got a solid running back or solid receiver, um, you didn't do well. And so um, that's it on the philosophy, guys. You get it. Take risks. If you want to win, take risks. Um, But definitely put that core together and draft running backs. So uh, I want to talk just briefly about some of the additions and subtractions this year from NFL teams. So um, I guess story storyline number one is going to be 
the Steelers and what they lost. So um, the Raiders went out and got AB his bags. They paid him. They paid him like a, the wide receiver one he is. Um, Le'Veon Bell got the bags. You know, he had offers from other teams where he could go and win and win championships, but he went for the bag. And I don't blame him. He's a rapper. Rappers are always going to go for the bags, bro. Um, So he's going to the Jets. So Le'Veon Bell is going to be in that green and white. So, you know, that's a good core. It's a good core. I like Quincy Nunwa, Sam Darnold. Robbie Anderson. Um, I think Jermaine Curse is still there. And then Le'Veon Bell. I think that's a good core to build around. And you got Jamal Adams on the back end. I think they are going to be a better team this year. Um, as far as Oakland goes, I think AB will be a receiver one. I mean, he's been a receiver one every year he's played. So I, don't, I understand people think he's a diva and stuff. And same with Odell Beckham. Who a little bit earlier, um, the Giants decided we don't want any of your diva behavior. Um, and they sent him off to the Cleveland Browns where he's going to link up with his uh, fellow college teammate, Jarvis Landry. And I think the Browns are going to be good. They're going to be a good fantasy team. And we need to um, we need to see in the preseason um, kind of who's going to come out alpha on there, which I believe will be Odell. Um, but you could see it spread evenly. That offense just might be killer, man. You got to remember they they uh, had a great year from um, Nick Chubb, even though he started off looking not so good in the preseason. Uh, he looks like he's going to be a good running back. And then you got Kareem Hunt, which had some sort of an assault situation with a female and got cut from Kansas City um, and you know went to his hometown. Cleveland Browns and so he's gonna back up it looks like back up uh you know that stable of running backs I still think Duke Johnson's going to get third down work um I don't know we will have to see how that works out the thing about preseason is you have to sit down and watch the games I record them on DirecTV and I want to see all of team one and team two so I want to see the starters, and I want to see um, how the backup position players do with the starters, too. And that's where you're going to find guys who will break out and keep under the radar because nobody else is really doing their homework, guys. Um, if you're not watching, even these columnists who are fantasy football writers, they might catch one preseason game, but they're not going through all of them. That's why I like to record them. And go through all of them because you're seeing what the coaches are saying. You're seeing what scouts are saying. You're seeing what management's saying. And you can kind of discern, you know, where your starters, uh, you know, you know, those position battles, there's position battles going on. You guys, what if Baker, what if we find that Baker and uh, Odell don't get along, which I don't believe Baker's a great leader. Um, They have the kind of the same swag. Uh, you know, they both are a little bit diva themselves. But what if we find out that Baker is loyal to Jarvis? And, you know, Jarvis is the, is the wide receiver one in that situation. And Odell is maybe more used as a slot guy. See, I don't think it's going to be that. I think Odell will play the X, which is the f- furthermost outside wide receiver. 
he'll be the uh, the wide receiver one in that offense. And I think Landry likes to play in the slot. That's where he played in Miami. Um, and you got to remember, they got so much other talent on that team, guys. You know, Antonio Callaway might be the most gifted player out of the th- three of them. He just has taken some wrong directions in life. I mean, you can tell, man. Guy's got a gold grill. Anytime a guy has a gold grill or like an Alvin Kamara, uh, you know, ring in between their nose, anytime they got some of that situation on them, they got a little bit of hood in them, you know? Um, and those are the guys that are alphas, man. And they make their own decisions sometimes and they're shitty decisions sometimes. Um, hence the gold grill in your mouth. Although it does look cool on some black people. Uh, I don't know. It would not look good on a white guy. Uh, I don't see any white. Message me, guys, if there's a if there's a white guy that would look good with a grill. I'm trying to think of, you know, some more like, you know. I'm trying to think of some white players that might look good with a grill. And nothing's coming up, yo. Nothing's really coming up. Um. But message me if you guys think if you guys think that there's any white guys that would look good with a grill in the NFL. And I mean, good. Don't give me a Philip Rivers. Don't give me, you know, Eli Manning. Don't give me any of that. Although Eli Manning. Oh, my God. His swag would go up a thousand percent. You know, in Madden, how, you know, you can put their ratings anywhere from zero to ninety nine. You could go all the way down to Eli's swag level and it would go from 12 which is what he's at right now to 94 at least 94 not quite 99 because because he's kind of a patsy but dude he would be so hood with a gold grill are you kidding me oh you know Daniel Jones would not start I mean that might be a move that Eli has to make in order to start you know he might have to go to Pat Shermer and be like bro I've got my swag level up to 94, so you can't start Daniel Jones. You know, that's all there is to it. And Pat Schirmer might be like, damn, he's right. But no, I think that situation's over. Um, let's see, other additions. Um, Offensive-wise, uh, we got the Rosen trade, so that's interesting. I don't think it's really relevant fantasy-wise. Um, you... So the two quarterbacks that are going to be battling for the starting job in Miami right now are Ryan Fitzpatrick and um, Josh Rosen because Rosen was traded by Steve Kime and the Arizona Cardinals down to Miami. It's going to be a good start for everybody. Josh is kind of a California cooled guy like Aaron Rodgers. Um, He's got a bit of an attitude on him. You know, UCLA guy, UC Berkeley guy, kind of the same guy. And I think he'll flourish in Miami. Um, depends how Brian Flores is as a coach. But I think, you know, he's a beach guy. I think he'll be, do good with, you know, he'll do good at the beach instead of the desert. Um, I think he's a good quarterback. But I don't think it's really relevant to fantasy football, honestly. And Kenyon Drake is probably the only guy we can even talk about for Miami. But that's, let's save that for later episodes. So we do have Kyler Murray. We got him drafted uh, to the desert. And you know what? I don't think he's... I think he'll be fantasy relevant in the same way that Lamar Jackson was last year. 
Um, you can win games with them later on in the year, but I think it's a big, the biggest thing, the biggest uh, winner in that situation is David Johnson. Um, I think they're going to be doing lots of, uh, they're going to be running that Texas Tech Cliff Kingsbury offense, which, you know, he ran with Pat Mahomes. Um, but I, but Kyler's so athletic. He's not quite Lamar Jackson, but he's a much better thrower. I mean, everybody in the NFL is, but he's not quite as athletic as Lamar Jackson, but I think they're going to be doing some of those pistol read option situations. Um, so I think David Johnson, um, I think a lot of attention is going to be put on Kyler, you know, former Heisman winner, scrambler, um, you know, they're trying to create a culture there. And it's Kyler's team. And they already announced him as week one starter. So I think David Johnson will be really good this year. I would take him number one overall. Um, kind of where I'm sitting right now, guys, I've kind of mulled over um, my top three picks and stuff. And it's pretty across the board. It's across the board. It's uh, from columnist to fantasy experts to uh, just if you're just going on sleeper or ESPN drafts the top three is pretty sealed in there Um, it's Ezekiel Elliott Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey those three are going one two three in almost every league and then I think four five you're talking Todd Gurley um, and then you start talking Uh, Michael Thomas or uh, you know other uh, wide receiver ones up there but those three are like kind of cemented guys guys I would I would I know Saquon had a great year and he's a great player but I would hold off on number one overall I would rather go Zeke the thing with Zeke is um, he's going to be part of a better team New York Giants aren't going to be any good this year guys they aren't. They are not going to be any good. Their direction, I mean, guys, their wide receiver one is either Golden Tate or Sterling Shepard. And they're both pretty much the same guy. They're a slot guy, kind of a, uh, you know, uh, possession receivers. But they're not They're not super playmakers. Golden Tate more than Sterling Shepard. But either way, you're either going to have an inaccurate Eli throwing in the ball. Or an inaccurate Daniel Jones throwing him the ball. So I don't... I wouldn't take Saquon overall. I think Cam Newton's going to have a bounce back year. Got that shoulder all fixed up. Um, He's going to start throwing here pretty soon. Um, I look for him to have more of a 2016-like season. Where they went to the Super Bowl. I I think he'll have a bounce back season. Um, I think DJ Moore is going to step up. I uh, think that Christian McCaffrey is going to have the same role he had last year. Um, And so I would take McCaffrey before I took Saquon. I know that's a super hot take. Most people are saying, what the hell are you thinking, Saquon, because of the year he had last year. But guys, I just, I do not see a situation where you get rid of Odell and get better. He might be a diva and might be, you know, something cancerous in that locker room but he's an otherworldly talent and you know I think he's going to prove it this year with Cleveland I'm not saying 
you know, a lot of these people are coming out saying, oh, they're going to be number one offense in the NFL and they're going to make it to the Super Bowl. Guys, they got to win their division first, which they haven't done in uh, 26 years. So, uh, yeah, you got to get past Pittsburgh, got to get past the Bengals, got to get past the Ravens. And the Ravens are looking like the favorite in that division right now. Um, but anyway, guys, um, I'm getting to the, let's see, I'm past the 30 minute mark. I just wanted to say what's up. Um, I love you guys. I'm hoping to pick up some more listeners this year. Um, pick up some more sponsors and, you know, kind of refine this podcast. Uh, last year, you know, it was a bit hectic. I would record in my car. Um, I had a whole lot of things going on, but this year I'm going to be more focused. I got better equipment. Um, I got a brand new studio um, that hopefully I will start recording from um, probably episode three or four. But these first uh, couple ones I'm just doing at my house, uh, just kind of stream of consciousness. I don't have any notes in front of me. Uh, I'm just going off the top. I just wanted to say what's up, y'all. Hope you had a great year hope you won your leagues um hope you're starting to play some best ball Uh, it's getting warmer uh you know summer camps uh are starting to happen starting to get word of um position battles and it's just it's heating up um and so it's time to talk fantasy football um so uh look for my uh my next podcast i'm going to do a live draft on sleeper so um let me know in the comments guys uh what my draft position should be anywhere from 1 to 12 this is going to be a standard draft i will do ppr drafts later um but let's just start with that sleeper draft we'll do um we'll do a full sleeper draft i will do it live on my computer and stream on my phone um and so you know we will go through we'll I like to be somewhere between six and 10 in in that area, just because that's where most people are drafting from. So that's probably where we'll draft from. But in the future, we'll do odd positions. You know, we'll do, we'll draft from the number one slot. We'll draft from the 12 slot because that's important that we cover all of our bases. So we will do a mock draft um, in the next episode. I appreciate y'all for listening and sticking with me. And let's make this season two dope comment guys follow me on ig um and get your freak on